an Ironic Media production. Visit us at I-R-O-N-I-C-K media.com. All right, welcome back to the Stark Transformation Show. I'm your host, Amy Stark. If this podcast has been broadcasting healing vibes into your life, please follow on Apple and Spotify and leave a review. Your review helps other people find this podcast and the transformations continue. And don't forget to share this podcast with anyone you think will benefit. Let's heal together. Hey, 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 it's Amy, your hosting coach. I hope you're enjoying the summer just as much as I am, if not more. This summer, I've selected my most favorite episodes of all time because after 200 episodes, I have quite a lot of content and I don't want you to miss these episodes. We're going to be listening to stories about near-death experiences, talking to angels, how to navigate a dark night of the soul, and how to upgrade your health and change your mindset. These episodes will definitely be worth your time and attention. So let's get started. Welcome to the Stark Transformation Show. I'm your host, Amy Stark. In this show, I'll be sharing messages of hope, healing, and transformation. I'll teach you how to shift your mindset, conquer your fears, and become the best version of you. You'll hear incredible stories of transformation and about the extraordinary journey I've been on for well over a decade. My connection with energy is so strong, and I can't wait to share it with you. Let's get started. All right, today on the podcast, I have Allison Burnett. Okay. I love your accent, Burnett. And she's actually, it's 6 a.m. her time. She is in Australia. It's 1 p.m. my time. And I just really appreciate you taking the time to talk to us on the podcast because when I came across your profile, I just absolutely loved your energy. I love the way that you say things. You've obviously done a lot of work on yourself. So I wanted to have you on to help us understand why you became the courage coach and how we can also kind of use that information to help coach ourselves through tough times. And we were just joking actually about Australia being uh, a place that actually is very dangerous. And I it was like, how do you live like that? Knowing that things can kill you all over the place. And what did you say? I said, she'll be right. We just uh, <laughs> live in denial. Anything that bad props up, you just say, oh, look, she'll be right. It's okay. We'll, we'll do it. It's fine. <laughs> denial. Uh-huh works on so many levels, Amy. I know, right? And then yet uh, at the same time, it can shoot us in the foot. <laughs> Let's not dwell. Let's not dwell. Yeah. <laughs> I know with crocodiles on your beaches, that's pretty crazy. I don't think I'd have as fondness of a feeling for beaches as I do if there are crocodiles there. I know. I, I'm not a beach fan myself. However, it is funny. <laughs> it, it actually reminded me of how Australia is built in that when you said, you know, you'd spoken to someone from Australia whose issue was sharks, straight away I knew, oh, okay, they're down the bottom half. Yeah, sharks everywhere down there. We don't have that problem. We're so lucky up the top of Australia. We only have crocodiles. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, really? Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Makes no difference at all. Yeah, by the way, I was in Florida one time and they have crocodiles there in the waterways. And I was in a boat and I was like really naive and I didn't know that they can jump out of the water and like six feet or higher from nothing. And so like I we saw a crocodile and I started moving on the side of the boat. There was nothing covering us. Anyway, the guy was like, where are you going? He could get you anywhere on this boat. (laughs) 
if he wants you, he's going to get you. And I was like, can we go home now? (laughs) I've seen enough. Yeah, exactly. I'm like, that was cute. He's right there. Now let's go. All right. Let's get, let's get down to business though. So tell us, how did you get into becoming the courage coach? You know what? I just, the, the name courage coach, it really epitomizes who I am from the very beginning which I didn't realise, obviously, until I was an older woman. I'm 48 now. And so just quickly, I'll go back a little bit. Yes, please. I got here. So I actually, my mother had a number of children before me who had all been taken off her because she couldn't cope as a parent. And then she had me and we have no idea who my father is. So, you know, I was born to a single mum and from really from as early as I can remember, my mum was very mentally unwell. So she was a very abusive person, loving one minute and very violent the next. And the man that she chose to marry when I was about five years old, he was an extremely abusive person as well. So I had a lot of physical abuse from my mother and sexual abuse from my stepfather. He was also in the Air Force you have the forces in the States, don't you? The, yes, um, we do. Armed services. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we moved around a lot, which meant I really never got that stability with yeah. family or anything. You know, your family becomes it. It just wasn't a safe place. I sort of grew up with managing the abuse between my parental figures and I also had a little baby brother come along. When I was about sort of eight, my mother got cancer quite severely. So she was put into hospital And because my father worked uh, shift work, my brother and I were put into foster care. So we were in foster care for about six months. And during that time, my brother was only a baby. So he was really nurtured and loved. And my abuse, unfortunately, continued. And I was beaten quite regularly whilst in foster care. I finally returned back to both parents once my mother recovered However, I was then also thrust into a looking after my mum role as well as the sexual partner for my father, trying to be school, looking after my little brother. You know, there was a lot going on. Eventually around the age of 13, I told someone at school what was happening at home and they said, this isn't normal. You know, this is not what 13-year-old girls should be doing. Mm. And I didn't realise that really. So police were brought in and it was all made a big thing. And from that, my mother beat me very severely for outing the family secret. My father was dishonorably discharged from the services. However, no charges, formal charges were ever laid. Ugh. And I lived on the streets. I had nowhere to live. So at 13? Became, at 13, I became a street kid Ugh. and I was taken in by a wonderful woman at the time, her name was Susie. She took me in and really nurtured me. However, she was also a madam. So I became a prostitute at the age of 13 (sighs) and made exceptional money because I was so young, you know, had a lot of clients, but obviously still an abusive (laughs) situation. Absolutely. You know, it's not the right kind of love and nurture that a 13-year-old girl needs. Yeah. I did that for a couple of years and became physically quite an unwell person, mentally and physically. I developed endometriosis, which a lot of your listeners are probably familiar with. It affects a lot of women, unfortunately. So I had quite a lot of surgeries, even at a very young age, for that. And, you know, would have surgery and go straight back 
onto the streets, straight wow. back to work. So I damaged my body quite a bit by putting it through that kind of stuff. Wow. Uh, eventually at 15, I thought, you know what? There's got to be more. There's, there's got to be something better than this. And that's what I mean about that that courage coach was always a part in my blood because even at 15, I thought this this can't be what I was born for. This can't be right, surely. So I actually left and I applied for a job at a bank. I thought, I can do that. I'm smart. I'm a smart person. And so I had the courage and I applied for this apprenticeship at a bank, got the job and was so excited. You know, I went and bought lots of nice new clothes that fit what I thought a bank worker should look like. (laughs) And I was really proud of myself. And I went to meet the manager my first day uh, because I hadn't met him before. Into his office and he was actually one of the other girls, prostitutes, clients. So he recognised me straight away. He knew who I was. And from that moment on, I worked for that bank for nearly two years and not was not getting paid because he had that secret over me and I had to deliver sexual favours in order to keep my secret and my job. So, you know, it's just this cycle of abuse that just of being used. It just happened over and over and over again. So I got out of that and and moved on and I I really went, you know, we'll jump ahead there. I went on to have a succession of relationships with men. I really didn't know how to to love someone and how Mm -hmm. to be loved. Right. I attracted quite abusive people. I tried the church. I thought maybe if I go to church I'll be whole or something will happen and people will treat me better and everything will just miraculously, you know, be wonderful. And for a while it was until the man that I ended up marrying through the church found out my story and proceeded to use that as our, you know, weekly role-playing. And if I didn't follow through with that, then I was letting down God and letting down him as my husband. So when I did try to get out of that, the church that he was quite senior in, held an intervention to teach me how to be a proper wife within the church. So, you know, once again, I was like, fuck this. Yeah, good. (laughs) You know what? I've come too far (laughs) to have this shit. Yeah. So I moved on again. I tried a same-sex relationship thinking maybe maybe I'm safer with women. Mm. Maybe that's the answer. So you see, again, to me, it was that courage to not give up that courage to keep searching for why am I here? Things keep fucking up, so I need to keep looking, you know, (laughs) keep looking. And, uh, of course, the same-sex relationship did not end up. We were together about six years, and to this day we're we're best friends. I love her dearly. However, she was gay. Mm. I was not. I was just escaping. Mm. So there was always going to be a parting of ways there. Eventually we sort of come to a point where I end up, I've got three children from three different men trying to be who I'm supposed to be. I end up being diagnosed with borderline personality disorder, severe anxiety, severe depression, complex PTSD, and I am put in hospital, (laughs) put in a mental institution after overdosing on sleeping tablets. Wow. 
So I, I came to a point, I think, and this is sort of at my, my darkest moment, I would say. You know, I had children. I had various men, the fathers of those children, wanting to take them from me. And I thought the only thing I have that I've given this world are those beautiful children. That's all I have. And I just did not know how to make life better except to be the best mother I could possibly be. And I didn't know how to do that because I'd never had anyone around me to show me what that looks like. So I went probably for about a month, I just took sleeping tablets. That's all I did. I just, you know, I my kids got themselves up in the morning. They were very young, got themselves up in the morning. The eldest would get breakfast for them, walk themselves to school and come home and I'm still in bed, just zonked, absolutely zonked. And yet I'm supposed to go to court and fight for these children. I thought, I don't, I don't, I, I need help. I need help or I'm going to die. And the only thing worth living, my children, are going to be taken from me. So I was put into into hospital, got my meds straight, got my head straight, and I came out fighting. I came out absolutely ready and I fought for my girls and I fought for my sanity. I had a lot of things going on at the moment. I was fighting for custody of my children. I had sued the church because the church, once they found out I was in a same-sex relationship after my husband, who I left, they started going past my house and they'd egg my house and, and hold vigils outside my home, screaming out profanities at me and things like that. Wow. Um, so I actually decided that I would get legal advice and I sued the church for treating someone like that. So I had that court case going on as well. And also my husband, who I had just left from the church, he was my boss at the job I was at. So I lost my job. I was fired because I left him. So I also took that on as an unfair dismissal, all the while crumbling inside my own head. Again, that courage, that courage was there inside me to not fucking give up. Yes, I was zonked on sleeping tablets just trying to keep breathing, I think. However, I'll be, I'll be damned if anyone was going to kill me. <laughs> I had to keep going. So I ended up winning all of those. I got full custody of my children. I successfully was the first person in Australia to sue a church and win. Wow. And the church, the church ended up having to put in place like a program to understand people who have come from abuse and how that can affect their ability to have relationships. So that had to be put into the church mandate. And I got paid out by my other job that I was in. So it was a bit of a win-win all around. I thought I was wow. pretty, pretty fucking awesome. <laughs> yeah, and then I ended up moving. I left the state and moved to a different state because over all this time, my mother, I wanted to reconnect with my mother. I felt I wanted to be a better person than she was to me and I wanted to understand that perhaps she was hurting and, you know, hurt people, hurt people, don't they? So I wanted to reconnect with my mum, forgive her and maybe help her heal a bit of her pain that she had suffered in her life 
my brother had not spoken to me for six or seven years because my my younger brother believed that it was me who broke up his family and he joined the church so he disowned me so I just thought you know what I'm going to pick up my kids and I'm going to move states and I'm going to go and find out how my mum is so I moved and did it myself again for me that was that courage I just packed up anything I had in my car with my kids and drove what's about a 18 to 20 hour drive and moved my whole life over to be closer to my mum to see if I could help her. So I ended up uh, here in Townsville, Queensland, and reconnected with my mum, who I was able to help forgive herself a little bit to the point where she actually passed away a couple of years ago and I was able to nurse her through palliative care. When so many people around me were, you know, were saying, why would you bother? She was so nasty to you. I said, because I, I've been in that dark place. <laughs> I've been in that place where I just really questioned, what am I here for? Mm. Why bother? I'm fucking useless to everyone around me. And I thought, wow, if that's how she felt, how can I turn my back on her? She's a woman who is hurting. So I wanted to be a better version of myself. And I nursed her through palliative care and I was able to hold her hand and be with her when she passed away. So I'm really, 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 really grateful for that. My stepfather ended up passing away about eight years ago now of AIDS-related illness, which sparked a whole nother. I had to go and get tested and I had to go through that waiting game to see whether I had contracted Mm. anything like that. Thankfully, I escaped that as well. Wow. Now I'm with an amazing man that I've met. I've been with Anthony now for 11 years. He loves my children. He adores me. He's inspired by my story. And I got to a point a couple of years ago where I thought, right, you know what, everything I do, I give my all. I'm all in, all in. So what am I meant to do? What's my purpose? Why did I survive all this shit? It wasn't just to go and work a nine-to-five. That can't be it. And so I started searching and I, I did some psychology. I went to uni and mm. I had to do psychology and then felt that wasn't right because it puts people in boxes, mm. uh, no respect to right. the profession. However, I, I felt I didn't fit into any one box. <laughs> I can imagine. <laughs> right? And so I thought, nah, that doesn't seem right. Uh, I went and did things like Reiki. I became a Reiki master. I did Orosoma which I don't know if any of your listeners are familiar with it. I don't know um, that one. It's a colour therapy. Okay. Done by Vicky Wall. In the, it was founded in the UK. And, yeah, it's all about colour and oils and using colour to express yourself and to find yourself. Mm. So I became an Orosoma practitioner and I, I did that for a little while and absolutely loved it. However, I wasn't making money, Amy. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I was I was getting lots of transformation for people and for myself. You know, still I was spending a lot. I wasn't getting anything back. So right. it still felt like something was missing. Right, of course. Yeah. Uh, so then I went and did NLP, you know, with this grandiose idea that, oh, you know, I'll go and learn this neuro-linguistic programming. It'll help clients. I'll be able to be a life coach. That'll be awesome. Yeah, I can do that. 
and went to NLP and little did I know it was all about me (laughs) (laughs) with my clients. It was a giant forehead slap, punch in the gut, and then a big cuddle Mm. all for me. So I learned so much about the way I think and what I've been through and, you know, getting out of that victim mentality Mm. that we get so stuck in. Yep. Get out of that, live at cause. And that's where what came to me that I live by now and I coach by is it's it's your choice whether you live by the default setting or you live by design that you Mm. design. And I thought, you know, for so long I had lived by default what people told me I was good for. This is what you're meant for. So just do this, just do this. And then eventually, you know, when people learn a little bit about your story, you go into a different default setting of a victim. People lower their expectations of you because you've been a victim. You think about it, you know, you want to go and do something and maybe you, maybe you fail, you know, like I'll, I'll go and do psychology at, at uni and drop out in my second year. Oh, that's okay. That's okay, Ali. You know, you've been through a lot. That must have been really difficult for you. You see what I mean? The expectations mm-hmm. get lowered. And I thought, no, that's not fucking right. <laughs> Just because I have been a victim, the only thing that's limiting me right now from doing what I want, for designing my life, is my own thoughts, my own story, what I'm telling myself and what I'm believing that other people tell me. Mm. And I refused to settle for that default setting anymore. And so I, I did that NLP course in February. Uh, 2020 I came out of that and I just hit the ground running and I thought yeah I know what I need to do I need to lock down (laughs) and then lock down like rude right (laughs) rude (laughs) (laughs) did I not know that I've got big plans (laughs) that's okay you're doing really well now ah now I like I said I just I just hit the ground running and I thought yeah you know what I'm just putting it out there And I I went straight into coaching women to overcome childhood trauma because I wanted to take them back just once and and show them that their dark places, that's where the fucking resilience was born. That's the courage right there. And it's not to say that you're thankful for it. It's not that you wish it upon people. Mm -hmm. It's about the choice of, okay, did that moment make me a victim or did that moment allow me to design the rest of my life? Fuck that. I was not going to let any more women in my awareness anyway live by that default setting. Yeah. No way. We're too powerful and we have too many messages that can change. I went on doing that and became really, really successful, all by Zoom, of course, yeah, because of lockdown. So, you know, I use timeline therapy and I often get asked, geez, will that work, you know, by Zoom? Can you do that? You know, shouldn't we be in person? No. You would know, Amy, energy mm-hmm. is energy. Yep. Right? We are worlds apart, you and I, and yet I guarantee you can feel me. Oh, yeah. <laughs> right? Yep. Yeah. It is only what we make it in our head. It's just our perception. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I did really well helping women overcome childhood trauma really, really passionate about that work. And then I started attracting entrepreneurs, women who wanted to get that message out and were blocked. 
I would help them through the blocks. And then I ended up joining up with another coach who's a black and white strategy coach. Her name's Anna. Joined together and made the Female Coaching Academy. And now we're a one-stop shop for women who have a message. We just, you know, get the mind right, get the business right and get you making money. Mm. Because we need to be rewarded for our knowledge, for solving the problem. We need to be rewarded for that. The universe wants to reward us for that. Mm -hmm. And I fucking deserve it. (laughs) (laughs) You do. You know, hell yeah. And that's what I like to instill in, in my clients. You deserve it. Once you learn the lessons, if you make the choice to see your life as wisdom building, as ways to get through things, as ways to build who you are and design a life, then if you can help one other woman do the same, then hell yeah, you've got a message and you need to earn a living from that because you're wasted in the nine to five. Mm-hmm. That's someone else's job, not yours. And that's what I do. Listen to me. See, I just go on. I'm a prattler. You know, I like to natter. <laughs> Those must be words in Australia. <laughs> I'm thinking, oh, she's giving me the blank look of, oh, those fucking Australians. We do. Yeah. But you have the best attitude, I think. Thank you so much for sharing all of that. That is incredible. I I mean, wow. So clearly, do you think that working on yourself really has made you the best coach? Because like you had to unwind all those layers, all that trauma, all those beliefs, all those things that happened to you. Do you think by undoing all that, you were able to find you? 100%. Like I said, with that default setting, you know, I grew up even up to, as I said, I'm 48 now, right up to even 45, 46 years old, I still only wore labels. Mm -hmm. I, I didn't, from a core level, really know who I was. I just wore the label that people gave me. By doing all that work on myself and and peeling off those labels and owning who I am owning every single part of me, the dark parts that I think no one will accept. Who cares? Who cares if they accept it or not? What matters is do I. Mm -hmm. And we accept it by taking the lesson from it, by understanding what the gift we can take from it is. And so by going through all that, I am definitely a better coach Now, you know, one of the issues I had when I joined the church was you get put with like a mentor, an older woman in the church to sort of guide you through church life. And the problem I had was that I sort of went into this church with so much baggage and a single mum. And here I was being mentored by this woman who had a very loving family, loving parents in the church her whole life, no abuse wonderful marriage, wonderful kid. Like she was just happy. She was the opposite of you. She was the opposite. And I, and I remember at the time thinking, how can you possibly mentor me? What, what you're actually doing is molding me. You know, you're, you're, you're telling me that all this stuff is wrong and this is how you should be because she had no understanding of where mm-hmm. I had come from. So as a coach myself, I'm in a really, really amazing and unique position that I can understand and I can empathise with someone who has had significant trauma, who has 
been through a court case, who has had a same-sex relationship, who has been beaten. You know, there's many points of reference where at least I can tap into something and say, yeah, you know what, I remember. I remember what that feels like. Mm -hmm. I got you. I got you. And because I'm out on the other side, that allows that person the hope. Mm -hmm. Say, well, holy shit, if you've come out (laughs) the other side, then great, there's hope for me yet. And that's all we got to do, isn't it? Provide that one little drop of hope so that you never give up. Just hold on to that drop of hope and keep fucking going. Mm-hmm. Just keep going. I told you I talk a lot. Long answer to your short question. Yes. <laughs> it's made me a much better coach because I only coach what I know. If I don't know it, then we dig deeper. We find out what's really underneath that and let's work it out together. Mm. So I'm a very open book. I'm very open book, Amy. There's no airs and graces, you know, on my Facebook page. What you see is what you get. I, I just don't have time to wear labels anymore. I love it. I've been walking around for about a month now saying labels don't work for me. <laughs> yes. I want to make uh, t-shirts that say that. <laughs> Yes, do it and put me down. I will. (laughs) I'll send you one as a thank you. (laughs) Oh, yes. Is it going to have like Amy Stark on the back or something? Yeah, 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 yeah. Something like that. (laughs) I got you, girl. Send me one over. Awesome. Make make it big. You know, I'm hot. It's sweaty here. I need room to move. Yeah, it's summer there, right? It's summer here all the time, Amy. Oh, okay. (laughs) In In the north part of Australia where I live, we really don't get a temperature below 20 degrees. Uh, that's Celsius. Celsius, so I was going to say, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Celsius. Yeah. So it's always very humid, very hot. When it does get to 20, we're very weak here and <laughs> I will put a dressing gown and, and slippers on just so <laughs> I can pretend I'm cold. No. I've, you can see it's like 6 a.m. as we said and I've got the air conditioner on behind me. Yeah. Because I'm just sweating. I'm that hot girl I am that hot I'll be back (laughs) oh look I'm also full of shit it's all right Uh, (laughs) I love it I love that you don't take yourself too seriously I think we fall short in life when we take ourselves too seriously because there's a perception that we all should have it figured out right and we don't and we're just doing the best we can I have a question for you since you've been through so much. What do you think is the most transformational tool, book, thing that you learned? Now I'm asking you, uh, you know, I didn't tell you I was going to ask you this because it's just coming to me, but I feel like you have a great answer for that. I love winging it. I'm, I'm not <laughs> a, you know, I'm not a person for scripts. Anyone awesome. who knows me will tell you that I wing everything. Yeah, I would 100% say NLP and timeline therapy. Mm. That was the key for me, being able to understand how our mind takes in information and what process it goes through to end up being a label or a feeling or an emotion or a reaction. That whole process just made sense to me. And once I knew the process, that's when I realised, well, holy shit, I can control that. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm not at the mercy of, you know, well, I get triggered all the time, so. Right. So what you get triggered? Deal with the fucking trigger. 
Mm -hmm. How about that? How about take control of the trigger so you are never again at the mercy of an outside source? Right. Therefore, you go from victim to empowered. Exactly. Exactly. It's not about, it's not about victim shaming. It's nothing about that. It's about saying it's a choice to stay as a victim. And learning NLP and timeline that showed me that by choosing to let go of that victim mindset, that gave me so much power. No one was ever again going to tell me I can't do something or I'm not capable or I'm triggered. You know, nothing was going to affect me again where I couldn't control it. Sure as shit, I still, things still trigger me. That's not, you know, that's part of growth. Mm -hmm. Things are still going to trigger you. However, now because of NLP and timeline, triggers have returned to being just a warning signal for me. Right. Instead of being the reason I don't or do something, it's just a warning signal to say, hey, Ali, something's off kilter here. Let's look at it. Let's figure it out. Right. It's all an inside job, isn't it? It is. Yeah. I love how you say your first and most important client is yourself when you're a coach. Oh, 100%. 100%. Everything you coach to people, you must have been and done yourself. Right. Yeah. have to. Because if if you don't have the control and the the power, self-power, to figure it out and to overcome, how can you possibly expect someone else to put their life in your hands? Like that's just bullshit. That's not congruent. Mm. That's that's where that imposter syndrome pops up and mm-hmm. and starts to degrade you, doesn't mm. it? Yeah. So when you get triggered by something that maybe a client's having and you're thinking, oh, holy shit, maybe I haven't dealt with that, you know, maybe there's another layer there then take it as a warning signal and do the work yourself. Recognise that you are still and always will be your first client and you must take care of that so that you can be a more powerful coach and voice for other people. 100%. Very passionate about that, Amy. Can you tell? Yeah, I love that you say it. It's absolutely true. And I think where we fall short, again, as a society is that we think that we're supposed to wear all these hats and, you know, be these people that other people want us to be. But in the end, the best version of you is inside of you and is you without those labels and conforming to what other people's expectations are of you. You know, when we get that chance to really shine our light, it's when we make the most change in the world. Ah, I can speak it because I've done it too. You know, it's, it's so scary though, sometimes, right. To be that light or be who we really want to be. But what is so amazing about that situation is that once we get to the other side, there's so much relief that comes in because you had been putting on, you know, an air or a show of this other person. And it's so great to just drop all of that and just be rather than pretend. Yeah. hundred percent. And, you know, it's really interesting that as we move into business, I hear a lot of women, you know, talk about they get scared. Obviously there's fear, as you just said, there's a lot of fear 
in stepping out and and coaching and being the light. There's a lot of fear around that. However, a lot of that fear comes from because when you step out, when you start using your voice, you're giving the public really permission to consider you an expert. (laughs) And that scares people because what do we do with experts? We question them. We look for holes, (laughs) and that's scary. However, it goes back to, yes, I am an expert. And what am I an expert in, Amy? I'm an expert in how I overcame the traumas and the adversities in my life, and that's what I coach on. Right. I never have that problem of imposter syndrome because I don't claim to be an expert in, I'm not an expert in NLP. I'm not an expert in timeline therapy. I'm really fucking good at it. <laughs> However, I'm not, I'm not an expert because all I coach on is what I've been through. And I use the tools to help other people break down the surface problems mm. into what's really the underlying problem. And I'm sure all of your listeners have that understanding that What's underneath is really just the same core pain that everyone goes through at some point. So, yes, I'm an expert at that core pain. Not so much an expert on maybe all the surface stuff. Someone might come to me and say, I'm really struggling because I was born a man and now I'm a woman and I'm struggling with that. You know, you could think, oh, well, I can't coach you because I've not been through that. However, you start digging down those layers and you find out that what they've bought you is not really the problem. It's the deeper self-worth. It's the deeper not being accepted, the expectations of other people, the labels, the not fitting in your own skin. Mm. Well, shit, yeah, I've been through all of those. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can work with you. Let's do this. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? Yes, Absolutely. I love it. That's one of the reasons why I love EFT is because you have to accept yourself. (laughs) You know, you say, I accept myself as part of the statement. Part of the reason why we do this podcast is because I want to spread messages of hope and healing and transformation, not because your story is exactly like somebody else's out there, but because they can learn from your story. And I actually learned that from my dad, you know, growing up, my dad would always basically interview people like taxi drivers or anybody who was in his vicinity, you know, that maybe had some time, he would ask them about their life. And I felt like that was the quick way to learn about life, right? To listen and see how the mistakes they made. And maybe I could not make those mistakes or maybe that would help me down the road when I was making a mistake. So that is the point of the podcast (laughs) to share our light and our story. I love that. I love that you made this platform, Amy. I really do. Really, you're you're to be commended because- Thank you. this, This sort of platform that you've provided here, it allows women, allows people- to simply be okay with always being a teacher and always being a student. Mm. And once you can see that in everyone around you, you know, it's very humbling to realise that that person that initially you may judge as a loser or as better than you, we all have something to learn and something to teach. It's just amazing if we can just if we can just get past the ego mm. and just embrace that. 
there is so much. We can be so much more powerful, so much more forgiving and collaborative and, oh, all the good stuff, right? All the good stuff. Right. Well, when you get rid of the labels, then there's no judgment, right? Exactly. Yeah. It's just lessons, just learning. (laughs) Actually, yeah, do you want to do a shirt that just says labels are shit? (laughs) That one works for me too. (laughs) That's awesome. Maybe that would just be my special (laughs) Here's yes. a special one for you, Ali. Labels are shit. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. So I know you have an amazing Facebook group. Can you tell us about that so that people can join that and learn more from you? Yeah, 100%. So as I said, my personal Facebook page, everyone's welcome to look at that. It's public and I share lots of good stuff on there. And then Anna and myself created the Female Coaching Academy. So that Facebook group you feel free to get in there and join that. That is for female entrepreneurs. It doesn't really matter what you're doing. You don't have to be a coach, even though it's Female Coaching Academy. You just find we attract a lot of coaches. However, we've got a variety of people in there. We've got hypnotherapists and we've got a few makeup artists and a big range of people who are service-based businesses. Awesome. I think we've got about 1,500 members at the moment. And, you know, we do a lot of free stuff through there, a lot of interviews and just tapping in to the the collection of information that women bring to that group. Mm. So come on in, have some fun, be aware that the language is really colorful. (laughs) That's all right. I think they're okay with it in this podcast, (laughs) the listeners. And my people. (laughs) Yeah, right. Because you know what? Language is energy. It is. I love that. Yeah. And it's all about the intent, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, the intention behind it. And my intention when I talk is always just about the passion. It's about getting at how I feel. I'm a very kinesthetic person. So um, everything's about how I feel and how it makes you feel. And I love how you feel, Amy. Can I feel you? <laughs> Can you tell us where your website is located as well? Oh, yes. www.femalecoachingacademy.com. Awesome. It's been so awesome to spend time with you. Thank you so much for sharing your story and letting us peek inside your brain and heart. Oh, thank you so much. I absolutely love talking to people. I love uh, providing hope where I can and a laugh. I'm always about having a bit of a laugh and yeah. you know, not taking life too seriously. You know, there's enough there's enough sadness in the world without us adding to it. That's so right. Let's, um, let's just make it a bit of a brighter place, I say. And thank you, Amy, for inviting me. It was absolutely wonderful. And thank you for getting me up at 5 a.m. to make sure <laughs> I could get my shit together to come on. <laughs> <laughs> I am so grateful you did. Thank you, Amy. Much love to you. And Thank you. If you love today's podcast, you're going to love the UR Energy course. I'm going to drop the link below so you can pick up that course. I go much more in depth about the science behind healing and I share the tools and techniques that I use every single day to help my body heal.
all content provided by Amy Stark and or her guests on the Stark Transformation Show, website, or other platforms, including text, images, audio, or other formats, are created for informational purposes only. Always seek the advice of a physician or qualified health provider with any questions you have regarding a medical condition. Amy Stark is not a doctor or a therapist.